This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, far too many sirens in the night. We still have this ongoing problem when it comes to opioid-related drug overdoses in our province. It's a battle or series of battles that requires approaches on several different fronts. And here's an idea, and it involves vending machines. And it's now a reality in one area of the province. You see, drug users will soon be able to access harm reduction supplies. What are those supplies? Well, things like needles, naloxone, drug testing strips, all this from vending machines at Vancouver Island Hospitals. Which ones? Victoria General, Nanaimo Regional, and Campbell Rivers North Island Hospital. All this by sometime later on next week. They will be located outside hospital emergency departments, and the vending machines will be able to freely dispense condoms, wound care supplies, uh, drug testing tits, syringes, a whole bunch of things that are related to harm reduction. Is it the right approach? Is this uh, one test that's going to be spreading around the province? The Island Health Authority taking the lead on this. Is it the right approach? Are there any alarms in this? Well, one person we have chatted with about uh, the ongoing opioid crisis and some of the things that have to be done right now is Eleanor Sterkel, BC United MLA for Surrey South. Eleanor, thanks for being with us this morning. Good morning, Bruce. Thanks for having me. And happy weekend ahead, of course. Thank you. Uh, when you hear about this, Eleanor, I, you know, some alarms go off in my head, and I think there are going to be listeners saying, oh, really? Um, but we also do know that there is a need on many different fronts for helping those that have addictions. Where do you fall on this? Well, sure. You know, I think that harm reduction supplies and the accessibility to harm reduction supplies, not a bad idea. But when you look at you know, the illness of addiction, and, and you look at the way in which many people have found their path to recovery, they always say the opposite of addiction is connection. And unfortunately, when we revert to doing things that don't involve human interaction, we are eliminating that opportunity for human connection. So while it's important to have things that have readily available supplies for people, we actually need to increase more opportunities for people to be seen face to face. And Listen, Bruce, we're talking about a government at this point that will give you everything related to drug use, everything related to drug use for free, except for treatment and aftercare. Isn't that crazy? You know, so that, to me, that's, that, this is nuts that you can get everything related to drug use, even drugs, um, except you can't get free access to treatment and aftercare. And, and that's a huge failure, in my opinion. Well, I suppose one is more affordable and easier to do than the other. And you're right. I mean, this is something that has to be done on multi-fronts. Multi it's just not one well, you know, pillar, I guess. Sorry. 
That, that's the thing. When we talk about affordability, though, we are putting a price on a human life. Is that what we want to revert to? Sorry, we can't afford to make you well because it costs too much money. Or do we keep people sick and then at a higher risk of overdose and death? You know, we, we can't just put number values at times on certain things. And yes, the public purse has to, you know, come into to play here. We don't have unlimited supplies. But one of the things that I find crazy, Bruce, is that this was a government that has spent $200,000 giving money to the Drug Users Liberation Front who were buying illicit drugs off the dark web and trafficking them, but they don't have money to spend to provide free treatment and aftercare for people in D.C. It doesn't make sense to me. It does not make any sense to me. Well, the thing here with this approach that uh, I find um, possibly... Uh, being a really good idea, and I, I want your take on this uh, in all honesty, and I hear your other points, and we'll get to those, but uh, there are people out there that don't want to have face-to-face contact with someone that's going to rat them out to the cops uh, if they're having an overdose, and this is who's one rat where... rat you out, though? Like, who would rat you out? Here's the thing. Being a former police officer, I have to say, this concept that people who are overdosing are getting, quote-unquote, ratted out is is incorrect. You know, I've saved many lives with uh, CPR and with naloxone and by helping people who were in overdose. Not once have I ever arrested someone following an overdose or even to that point, I've never even after someone overdosed, I actually didn't even take their drugs away because I didn't want them to suffer. You know, I tried to encourage that person into services, but this idea that people who are overdosing, if the police come, I'm telling you that they're probably administering things like naloxone. They're probably performing CPR and trying their very best to save that person's life, not ratting them out. And in Canada, doctors weren't ratting people out to to um, the police. I've never even heard in Canada of a case where someone was using drugs and their doctor phoned the police to report them. That's that's I think that's a falsehood. And, you know, we have to get past that concept that, you know, people are going to be writing you out and you're going to go to jail. This isn't something that's even been happening in Canada. We haven't, you know, before decriminalization as a pilot project, this just simply wasn't the case anyway. Um, you know, we, we really have to get to the root of what the problem is. And, and I understand, and I think it's important to have access for free and discreetly to have um, harm reduction supplies and information about uh, treatment, but we need to make it free. And then, you know, the other thing is, is that where is the educational component? So, you know, why don't we have more publicly facing information about how to get agonist treatment and how it works? Most people actually in BC don't understand what opioid agonist therapy is and how it works. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Eleanor, I hear what you're saying, yet here is what the proponents are saying. They they do push this idea that people want anonymity. Is this going to be anonymity because of another reason? Maybe I'm too quick to say it's because of uh, not wanting any law enforcement involved in whatever is going on. Maybe that's the case. The other thing is they want services 24-7. Wow, that's a whole different avenue to go down. What do you say to those two different things? What about the anonymity? Do you think there might be other reasons why they want to uh, stay anonymous? And this is, you talk about community connections. We know that. But are there times people are going to say no, and I want to be anonymous and just go to a vending machine? Well, so you mentioned that anonymity so that the police don't get involved. Well, if you're going to your doctor, the police are not getting involved. If you're going to um, a harm reduction site, the police are not getting involved. Yeah, and of course, people want to be anonymous. Maybe they're keeping their addiction um, private from even family members. But, you know, I, I think we're talking about a group of people. And this is one of the things that I, I read in a Czech report is that they were trying to target people in, in a certain demographic of men, those that work in the trades, for example. But if we're talking about people who use and operate machinery or equipment or power tools, I think our priority needs to be helping these individuals um, get off drugs and to get into things and offer them things like sublocade uh, because you know what they're putting themselves at risk and others at risk potentially on a work site um, driving vehicles I, I, you know I, I want people to have harm reduction supplies you know and, and so does my party we are committed to making sure that people can be safe we want to prevent people from dying but we have to be more focused on also providing clear pathways for people where they feel safe. I'll tell you, Bruce, that I, I've done some research uh, even more intently lately because I'll, we'll be soon getting into the second reading of Bill 34, which is about decriminalization legislation that just got announced, and then, and then going into committee stage on that. So I've been looking through the government's websites on decrim and also on services available to British Columbians. When you go to the um, addictions and, and how to find help in BC page, treatment is actually at the bottom of the list. There's so many other things that they have prioritized ahead of people getting well in BC. And I understand you could have, of course, how to access harm reduction supplies first and foremost, because if we want to keep people alive while they're seeking treatment. But this government needs to make sure that they're keeping treatment and a pathway to wellness and recovery also very close to the top of the list. Because you know what? We should always, it should be the second thing maybe people see harm reduction, then boom, every time you go somewhere. The idea that people can get into services and then have those services available and accessible with no financial barrier is extremely important. And it's how we're going to get out of this. Uh, you know, something else that people don't really realize, and I think it's really an important distinction, is that this government often talks about decriminalization and how it's worked in other countries. And therefore, this is the pathway that BC needs to be on. But one of the things that they don't tell you, because this government's really good at telling half the story is that in the other countries they note, which Uruguay, Germany, uh, Portugal, they talk about decrim working there. But those countries all have mechanisms of involuntary treatment and involuntary care. And in Portugal, it's actually still not legal to do drugs in public. They give people uh, a fine and then they have to go to a dissuasion court. So we're only doing half of what actually made decriminalization successful. So you can't do half the work and expect to get the same results. 
So what is the impediment to doing this other half? Do you think we honestly have a government that says, no, we don't care about supports? Every time I hear them talk about it, they say, yeah, the supports are coming, they're coming, they're coming. Uh, what stands in the way? It's political will and incompetence. <laughs> the political will against, they don't have the will to do the second part of decriminalization that these other European countries have done, which is involuntary care and using um, a dissuasion court or a drug court system to compel people into services, um, who, uh, particularly those who uh, are involved in criminal activity or dangerous activity or a risk to harm to self or others. Um, and then the other part of it is, is that, yeah, we've seen time and again, announcement after announcement, but very little ability to get things done in a timely fashion. We're what, seven years into a public health emergency and they act as though things is business as usual. I mean, when you look at the pandemic, look how fast we had clinics set up overnight for things like vaccines and testing sites and handing out supplies to the public and drive-throughs and all kinds of really cool things that happen to help keep people safe. But you don't see even a quarter, not even 1% of the effort and emergent behaviors to deal with the opioid crisis. And we're talking about six people a day on average still dying. So, you know, where's the urgency? This should be, you know, first and foremost, the top priority, public health emergency of deaths in BC. It can't just be business as usual. And unfortunately, that's what I see every single day from this government. Seven years, as you mentioned, into this health crisis, and we still see it as bad, if not worse, than it ever was before. And as you mentioned, there seems to be a lack of urgency. Do we need to study it again? Or what would you say is the the number one thing that we need to do, if we could just open it up, one priority, act on it, and get it done. What is that? Okay, so first and foremost, let's make treatment free and accessible to British Columbians by increasing things like surge capacity funding so that not everything except treatment is free. And then the second thing, like I mentioned, if you're going to do decriminalization in British Columbia, then actually do it. The same way that other successful countries have done, we need to have the ability to have involuntary care um, and compel people into services. And that is something that is missing and something that has been the key to success in other countries that have embarked on decriminalization. Eleanor Sturkel, thanks so much for your thoughts. Always a pleasure. And this is an important topic and I admire your work and advocacy on it. Thanks, Bruce. Anytime. Talk to you again.